Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 340, and we're talking about how to get around Australia. We are in Australia, what, about two months ago? Uh Uh-huh. And we realized we hadn't done a podcast on this topic, which I think is quite an important one. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big country with (laughs) a lot of ways to get around it. So yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We've been in the UK this week, and it's been birthday week, so it has been pretty much all about us all of the time. It's mostly been about all of the trips to the pub, because we're in the UK, and we thought, what should we do for our birthdays? And the answer always seemed to be, go to the pub. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy, but we've been to the pub with some nice people and also from the houses of some nice people. We first of all came back from Karunia into London and stayed with your brother and sister-in-law. Yeah, that was really nice. It's always good to see them. And then we came up to the countryside where we're going to be based in rural Suffolk for the next couple of months, house-sitting for a couple of lovely dogs, Mila and Tess. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We've made friends with the neighbours, we've gone for some walks. There are some really cool walks around here, which is great for us. And yeah, we've met some people in the allotments and yes, been to the pub. (laughs) Yeah, a wonderful walk to the pub. So there's lots of little events on here. There's a a local festival, a beer festival, a music festival, a pantomime. There's heaps of little things to do. And so we're really looking forward to that kind of British summer low-key kind of thing. Gosh, it's been hot over the last couple of days though, hasn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. But nowhere near as hot as our sponsor. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by YHA Australia, which is the largest hostel network in the country. There's 80 amazing hostels located in all of the major cities and the regional destinations, and they're great. There's a mix of private and shared rooms. So it's good if you're a backpacker, good if you're a local. Yeah, it's great for everyone. I really like that they have these different types of rooms because we've moved on from dormitory rooms, so we're much more likely to get a private room. Although if we're with a group, we might want a dorm room just for our group, say four beds, and that kind of thing is often available too. Yeah, so definitely consider that for your accommodation when you're in Australia. So let's move on to talking about Australia itself. First of all, let's get an idea of what Australia is like. Firstly, it's enormous. It's about 7.7 million square kilometres which is more or less the same size as Europe or continental United States. Yeah, that is pretty big. But what is really mind-blowing is how few people live in that enormous space. Uh, 24 million people with only 11 cities over 200,000 people. And I think Sydney has over 6 million. So that's like a third of the population in the largest city. And then so much of the rest being pretty small. Yeah, so everything is really spread out. I mean, a lot of what you're going to want to see are some of these big cities, but then you'll want to get to some of the more remote locations as well, like Uluru obviously isn't a a population-dense place. So transport is a really, really important thing to consider. Also, Australia is far away. It's pretty much far away from everything. Wherever you're coming from, you're going to be flying for some time. I mean, even from New Zealand, it's three to four hours, and that's like the next-door country. So um, let's talk a little bit about getting there first. Sure. Well, most people are going to arrive either on a cruise ship or by plane. So if you're coming on a flight from the States or Europe, your flight probably won't be direct. There's normally a jumping point. But there are direct flights from places like LA and Dallas and Honolulu, San Francisco, Vancouver, you know, that whole West Coast area, uh, going directly to Sydney and also to Melbourne. 
If you're coming from the other side of the world, there's lots of direct flights in from Asia uh, and the Middle East, and also a direct uh, Johannesburg-Perth if you're coming through Africa. But uh, if you're coming from almost anywhere in Europe or further east of the States, you're going to be doing at least one jump. I mean, what was our journey up from Australia to Europe this time? We did two jumps. So we went from Melbourne to Brunei, Brunei, Dubai, and Dubai to London. And usually we'd just do one stop. Uh, we'd stop somewhere like Singapore or Hong Kong and then go all the way up to London. But this one was a little, well, it was a very cheap flight, which was great. And did you know that Qantas has recently launched a direct flight between London and Perth? No. Yeah, it's really exciting. So there's going to be daily flights and it's starting on the 25th of March, 2018, and you can already buy your tickets. Wow, that's going to be crazy. It's going to be very long. I think it's 17 hours. It would have to be. Yeah. And then if you're going over to the other side of the country, which is where most of the cities are, you're looking at another kind of three hours, four hours on top. Five hours. Five hours. I think it's five hours from Perth to Sydney. But I think what we did was we flew from Perth to Adelaide and then hopped up to Alice Springs and then went down to Melbourne and then to Sydney. So that kind of that kind of zigzaggy route could work quite well. Yeah, I mean, wherever you're starting your trip will depend on where you can get into on your flight. And so opening up that West Coast is a direct route for more people is going to be really interesting because mm. Melbourne and Sydney are the two major cities that people start at, and they're on the exact opposite side of the coast. Yeah, that's right. It's like having someone studying in Madrid and someone studying in Istanbul yeah. or someone in LA with the other person in New York. They're, you know, on the opposite sides of the continent. So talking about Australian geography, you've got Perth on the left side of the map and then not too much else as you move rightwards across the map. Uluru or Ayers Rock is right in the middle. Uh, south of that, you've got Adelaide. And then on the east coast, you've got a whole bunch of different cities, Melbourne, then further up Sydney, and then a bit further up, you've got Brisbane. So those are the main centres, but there are heaps of other things to see as well. So with all of this size and all of this, well, I say all of this, and such small population density, there are a lot of reasons to just jump on a plane and fly, do those big hops to jump from place to place and area to area. Yeah, I definitely think you should consider incorporating some flights into your trip if you're trying to see a lot of Australia. It's a great option because it can be quite economical. There are lots of different airlines operating. The four main ones are Jetstar, Tiger Air, Virgin and Qantas. Qantas is the, the big kind of flag carrier. But uh, Jetstar, Tiger Air and Virgin are all budget options. For example, if you want to jump from Melbourne to Sydney, prices start as low as 50 Australian dollars. Uh, Perth to Sydney, which I think Linda said is at four to five hour flight time from about $200 up to $300. Oh, and up and up and up. Oh, yeah. It, it goes goes all, all the way up. It's definitely worth getting a direct flight there because some of the cheapest ones aren't direct and they end up taking you about 12 hours. So that $200 price point is probably not for a direct flight. So uh, we've often talked about using aggregators to get an idea of pricing and sometimes score some great deals like Skyscanner or Mamondo. In Australia and in New Zealand, uh, we use webjet.com.au. That's probably your most accurate aggregator that's around at the moment. Now, of course, that's going to change over time, but that's what we're using at the moment. Mm -hmm. And we tend to buy direct on the airline's website. Yeah, that's right. Use that for the research and then hope to get some better customer service and maybe a better deal by going direct to the to the airline site. 
So flying's often the fastest options, but make sure you look into toandfromtheairport.com or something similar to make sure your airport isn't way out of the city centre and to make sure you're not adding a whole lot onto your budget. Yeah, for example, Melbourne has two airports and one of our friends booked a flight to Melbourne and ended up not at the main airport and hadn't looked into transport options from that airport and basically lost about half a day of their trip because they just couldn't get into the city. So that's something that's really important to look into. Yeah, you know what else is important to look into? When you look at, say, a flight and a train between Sydney and Melbourne, and you go, ah, oh, they look like the same price, I might go by train. <laughs> it's really important to look into how long that's going to take. Yeah, one time I was travelling from Sydney to Melbourne. I'd just been working at a camp there, and Craig was going to meet me in Melbourne with another friend of ours, Graham, and it was going to be awesome. And uh, my company had paid for flights from Auckland, to Australia and back again. And they were very kind. They managed to give me flights from Auckland to Sydney and from Melbourne back to Auckland. So all I had to do was bridge that gap. I had to find a flight from Sydney to Melbourne or a train. And I was looking at different options. I looked up trains, buses, everything. And I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to go by train because then I get all the views. And I really like traveling by train. So I was looking into it and I think a flight was going to be about $100 and the train was going to be 110 I thought, well, $10, that's fine. So I looked into the times. The flight was about an hour and a half. The train was 13 hours. 13. That's a long time. So I flew. (laughs) Yeah, I guess jumping between those two cities, trains are not going to be the best option. But trains in Australia are good for an adventure. The network doesn't cover the whole country, but it's pretty well served up the East Coast. And then there are two really famous kind of trips you can do. There's the Garn, which goes from Adelaide all the way up to the top, right through Alice Springs, and up to Darwin at the top. So it kind of cuts the country in half with this amazing multi-day train trip. The other one's the Indian Pacific Line, which runs from Perth to Adelaide and connects those up along the, uh, not quite along the southern coast, but kind of following that, that line. Yeah, but... Bear in mind, those trips are very, very long. I think the Indian Pacific is about four days and prices start in the four figures. So it's not cheap, but yeah, one of these really, really amazing experiences. Yeah, it's definitely not a not a commuter train, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's an experience in and of itself. Uh, Man in Seat 61, always I go to for long distance train information is a great website, Man in Seat 61. And greatsouthernrail.com.au has all of the Rail Australia prices if you want to check that out. If you're looking for shorter trips, like if you're in Melbourne, there are some good commuter trains. When we're staying with my sister out in Sunbury, we always catch the train into Melbourne. And also one time we caught the train from Brisbane down to the Gold Coast, and that was really good. So these kind of shorter trips can be a really good option. Wherever possible, I prefer to take a train over a bus. And the bus situation in Australia, because of the distances, are pretty interesting. Yeah, Greyhound Australia has a good network and there's a hop-on, hop-off option. So if you're going direct from one city to another and you want to kind of get on and off and explore some of the little places, that could be a really good option. But as we said, we're not the biggest fans of buses, so I wouldn't recommend bus as your main option for, for getting around Australia. It might be a good option just to make a couple of connections, but don't plan to spend your whole trip traveling by bus. I think you'd just get really frustrated because the journeys are so long. That said, we have uh, used some tour buses, so coaches, to connect place to place. For example, when we went from Adelaide up to Alice Springs, we did that trip on a six-day organized tour. 
And I think that was a really, really good option because, well, one of the other options for doing that trip is hiring a camper van or a car and driving. And while that's a good option if you're super prepared, you do have to do a lot of preparation because it's the outback. So by doing it as part of a tour, we got to see a whole lot of different places we wouldn't have seen on a bus or on a train or something like that. And we got a guide to tell us what we were seeing. And we didn't have to worry about organizing the transport ourselves. Yeah, likewise, we've done trips out from Melbourne out to cities like Ballarat and Bendigo, places like that, that we could have used that as a bridge, even though we we went and came back again. But the comfort of the transport made a big difference. Yeah, I think buses are a good option when they're part of a tour. So if you're using it to go somewhere and then come back, then that's a really good one. Another one we did, remember, we went out to Kangaroo Island. So that also started in Adelaide. And we had a bus take us from Adelaide to the ferry, onto the ferry, all around the island. And that was also a really, really good option because public transport was a real hassle. We actually asked the guy to leave us on Kangaroo Island because we had a few other things we wanted to do, which weren't part of the tour. And getting back from our accommodation back to the ferry was a real challenge. Luckily, my sister was able to pick us up from the other side of the ferry. But wow, just, just those short journeys on the island were really hard. And if you haven't guessed already, Australia is actually prime road trip territory. It's just the idea of being stuck in a bus for all of that time without any control over where you stop that makes it problematic. So I'd highly recommend grabbing a car if you have the confidence to drive. Yeah, definitely. You can buy or hire. We tend to borrow because my sister lives in Australia, so that works really well. But Several companies have a buyback program, so you can buy your car, and then at the end, if you can't sell it privately, then they'll buy it back from you at a a discounted rate, obviously. So if you're going to be in Australia for more than three or four months, I think something like that could be a really good option. Definitely. The longer you're there, the more benefits you're going to have, and it's just such a good place. Yeah, one of the things I like about that guaranteed buyback program is it takes away some of the risks, Mm -hmm. so it's going to be cheaper than... uh, Fingers crossed, touch wood, assuming nothing breaks, it's going to be cheaper than hiring a vehicle. And at the same time, you're you're minimizing your financial risk if you can't sell it to someone else. Yeah, but of course you can hire if you want to. The major car rental companies will operate in Australia. I do recommend you get insurance because if you have a breakdown and you're in the outback, for example, you might get a tow for several hours or even days if the car can't be fixed on site. So definitely get insurance. Uh, make sure you have an extra tank of petrol. Just be super prepared if you're going to be doing these long trips by car. Yeah, we did a a super specific podcast on road trips in Australia a few years back, which had lots of great safety information that you might not really think about. Things like don't drive at dawn and dusk because of the kangaroos on the road. Oh, yeah. Um, And some of the preparation that you should do if you're planning on doing some of the intercity routes where there are very few petrol stations. Uh, or going to the outback where there are none at all. So there are some some very specific things that you should be aware of in the Australian environment that really you won't have thought of. Mm -hmm. Hiring a car might be a good option for getting around some of the cities as well, just depending on where you're going. When we were in Melbourne recently, Craig's parents came to visit us and they they hired a car, which was quite convenient for going off and doing a few bits and pieces. But then again, if you're in the city, then quite often you can use public transport. Most of the cities have a reasonable public transport network with mostly buses, sometimes trains. We really like Melbourne's network, which has got trams and trains as well as buses. And what's really exciting is that when we were there 
last, we realised that they'd recently changed the the free zone. It used to be just one city circle tram that was free, but now there's this whole free city centre area where every tram is free. So it's really great for getting around. It is. It's excellent. And if you are of a more active frame of mind, then you can actually walk across Australia or <laughs> cycle. Not can the you? most. You can. I, I was going to say, it's can you? probably... Mm, <laughs> Oh, there's a good question. How much time do I have? Because it's not going to be a very time-friendly way to travel. No, and neither is cycling. I, in fact, I don't think I would ever try to walk across Australia. The distances are just so long and there's so little water. So I think I would not do it. And wherever there's water, there's crocodiles. Oh, that's a good point. Yay. And snakes and things like that. Hey, but it has been done. I read that one should estimate about three months to cycle across Australia as a tourist. Although, wow. if you're racing, the current record is around eight days. How? By pedaling very quickly. Mind-blown. <laughs> but one thing to be aware of, apart from the crocodiles and the <laughs> kangaroos and everything else, are road trains. So road trains are massive trucks with multiple containers on the back of them. And they power down the highways and just have no... Uh, no ability to stop on a dime because there's so many carriages and they're moving so fast. So that can cause concern to cyclists that are hoping to to use the same roadways. Someone I know, now I'm not going to name any names because what they did was really, really dangerous, was telling me that if you get in behind one of these road trains, you can kind of get in their slipstream and go a bit faster and not have to spend so much on petrol. And I would like to say that I really, really, really don't recommend that. Don't try that. But yeah, just an interesting little story. That was in a car though, eh? Not it a was bike. in a car, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Australia has some fantastic hiking routes too. The ones I'm most excited about are in Tasmania and also the Bibbulmun Track out west in Perth. Those are the two areas. Yeah, the Bibbulmun Track is what, about a thousand kilometers, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty cool. And it goes all the way kind of up. It goes pretty much from Perth or near Perth straight up for a thousand kilometers. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. But uh, of course, wherever you are in the world, if you're doing a long hike or a cycle, do be careful, prepare properly. And if you're in Australia with its combination of more venomous insects than one might expect in other places, be a little bit extra careful. Just insects, isn't it? Or is it also snakes and mammals and all other sorts of things? Look, I want people to be excited about traveling. <laughs> Australia is amazing, and you certainly won't have any problems with interesting animals in the cities, although you should visit a wildlife park and get to know some of them. But um, yeah, I think you'll have an amazing time. Australia really is a fun place, and as a Kiwi, I probably shouldn't be saying that. i probably at, at risk of having my passport revoked. You've got to be careful. But we've always really enjoyed being there, and yeah, fantastic. Because of the distances, it's just so different to being here in Europe, where you can jump on a train and 20 minutes later be in a different city, which is quite distinct from the one you just left. Definitely. But it has excitement all of its own, and so hopefully this podcast will help you get around a little bit easier, a little bit smoother. Yeah, I think to summarize, we'd say make sure you do a bit of preparation in advance, plan your route because there aren't necessarily that many connections between two places and use a combination of transport options to get around. Thanks again to our sponsor for this show, which is YHA Australia. 
go to yha.com.au and follow the simple steps to book online. YHA also runs tours, like the ones we mentioned earlier, which might help you with some of the more tricky routes. So if you're wanting to go somewhere specific, have a look on their site and see if there's a tour that works for you. You can also go to yha.com.au slash hostels for information about all the hostels in their network, and they also have a handy guide to travelling distances between the main centres, which is super useful to get an idea of the distance and the time. Yeah, definitely. That's really important to look at because you might think that the distance equals so many hours, but depending on the state of the road or what kind of transport you're using, you might be well off in your estimate. Definitely. Hey, what's up next for us in the next few weeks? Well, we are house-sitting at the moment in rural England, so we're going to be spending time with Mila and Tess, who you might have heard in the background as we recorded this podcast. Apologies for that. And yeah, lots of walking, lots of visits to the pub. Should be good. So that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.